ExtraordinaryChurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Matthew chapter 8 is an incredible chapter, and there's three notable things we see. And we're going to zero in on one, but briefly, I want to direct your attention to uh, the first portion, which starts around verse number 14. This is where Jesus shows His power over sickness. He comes and heals the mother-in-law of Peter. The Bible said He touched her and the fever left her. Just a few verses later, we see Jesus demonstrate His power over storms. And then following that, we see Him exercise His power over spiritual darkness when He comes to the land of the Gadareans. And so here as we survey Matthew chapter number 8, our faith is built because we see Jesus exercising His power and His authority over these three things, sickness, storms, and spiritual darkness. But today I want to direct your attention in zero in on uh, verses 23 through 27 of Matthew chapter 8. Uh, let's read it together. Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to him, why are you fearful? O you of little faith. Then he arose, he rebuked the winds and the sea, and the Bible says there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? And from this text today, I've come to encourage your faith, and pull back the veil of the flesh, and try to present to you some spiritual principles about what God is doing in the midst of his people right now. The storm and the Savior. We look here at Matthew chapter 8 in this portion of text that we have read where Jesus is demonstrating His power over all things. And the Bible says that this storm rises suddenly when following Jesus. I want you to be encouraged today because this is a truth that sometimes it may be hard to embrace, but it is still a truth that storms are a part of life. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45 that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And so whether we follow God or whether we don't follow God, the reality remains that, that difficulty, storms are just a part of life. And here it is in this moment that these men who have given themselves to following Jesus, the Bible says that suddenly the storm rises. There's no time. There's no way of escape. And I submit to you, it might just be that God had planned it to be this way. This is a powerful storm. The Bible says that the waves are, are literally coming over the boat. The, the Greek word in this verse, we read tempest in the, the King James, but the Greek word actually implies that this is an earthquake. In other words, this is not a typical windstorm that one who is accustomed to the water could predict by the movement of the clouds or the look of the sky. No, this is a storm unlike any other. The waves are too great. The boat is taking on water. The sense of safety that was in these men just moments ago is 
abruptly being robbed from them. The certainty of all their future dreams are shaking in this moment. And as dire as that is, consider this, that to this point in time, their bodies have not yet been inflicted. They've not truly been harmed. But what has happened is the feeling that they have lost control of the boat and their lives. Physically, they are still well, but the sense of control that that we all so desire has been taken from them abruptly. It's been ripped from their grasp, and now they're panicking. Frantically, they wonder what to do. Their minds are so overcome with what the voice of fear has spoke to them in this moment that they have declared that death is their own outcome. The storm was unique. It was unpredictable. Can I submit to you, it is very similar to the pandemic of this present day. Hear me now. The storm is bigger than the ship, but not the Savior. The storm was so great that the water is coming over the boat that they are concerned that it has distracted them, but for a moment of the fact that Jesus is actually in the boat with them. And the storm that our world is overcome by, it might be bigger than a church building. It might even be bigger than your career. It might have interrupted your hobbies, but I want to remind somebody today that the storm is not bigger than your Savior. And what is incredible to me is while they are fearing for their lives and they are professing their own defeat, somewhere else in the boat, Jesus is present but sleeping. And so I want to remind you that God's silence is no indication of His absence. And while the disciples are troubled and they're afraid for their life, Jesus is present but sleeping. He is what I would say at perfect peace. Which seems so appropriate for the one who is called the Prince of Peace. The disciples come in this moment, they're frantically waking Him up, crying for help, and they say, Lord, save us! We are perishing. Believing they will die. They have professed their defeat. They have succumbed to the storm in this moment. And so I come today to remind you of this powerful truth that I am well aware our EC family knows that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs says, So I'm admonishing you today, please be careful what you say in times of crisis. Because God has already ordained that the storm cannot stop you. So why would you let your speech do it? It might seem He is silent, but friend, He is very present. And we must be careful that the crisis does not distract our faith and manipulate our speech and distract us from this eternal truth that what we say is powerful. And so what do you say? What does one think when life is turned upside down and when all sense of normality has been taken from us? What should I think? How should I act? What should I say? Well, I submit to you this, that Jesus' posture should form our perspective. If He is not worried, why am I? If He is at perfect peace in the midst of the storm, then shouldn't I too be at peace? So Jesus, in His love and His mercy, His compassion for those He has called, He rises from this position of rest and He looks to His disciples and says, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? This is so unique to me because Jesus acknowledges their faith, but says, 
it's little. It's almost like he's saying, you know I can help you. That's why you woke me up. But it seems like you weren't sure if I was really in control, which is also why you woke me up. And so it looks to me that beyond the storm and the boat, there is a greater threat. It's not the storm itself. It's not what the wind and the wave is doing to the boat or the bodies in the boat. The greater struggle of Matthew chapter 8 and the text that we are looking to today, the greater struggle is the power of fear and worry and how that wars against the faith of God's people. Because here is what happens in the storm. The storm shows our weakness. It exposes our fear. It forces us to confront our worries. You see, the power of a crisis is it forces us into a position to choose. Am I moved by fear to seek control? Or will I embrace the call to surrender and trust God? What is notable to me in this moment is that before Jesus speaks to the storm, He speaks to the struggle of His disciples' faith. This is a familiar Scripture, one that In fact, if you are a follower of the Lord, that you have probably and may even have this somewhere in your home. We see it printed on plaques and pictures. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Trust. Something that... Sounds so simple, but can be so difficult to live. Especially when the writer emphasizes that we are to trust with all of our heart. We cannot lean on our own understanding that we are called into this life of surrender where in every area and in every way we acknowledge God. Resting on the promise that God will direct my every step. When there is so much uncertainty, so much confusion, so many unknowns right now, can I tell you that trust is the weapon of this war? Sometimes God doesn't take us out of the storm. He takes us through it. But if we're honest with ourselves right now, more times than not, we would rather God stop the storm than strengthen us. We seek answers. We seek understanding. But many years ago, God gave me this word upon moving to the city of Halifax. He said, Dan, trust is faithfulness in the absence of understanding. And when understanding seeks control, God says, just surrender and trust. You can't make sense of it. It's not for you to know. But what I do need is you to embrace the life of trust. Because trust is the weapon of this war. See, the power of trust is this. Peace flows where trust lives. Consider what happens in Genesis chapter 3 when the Bible says that the Lord had come back in the cool of the day to walk with Adam and Eve. But knowing they had disobeyed the commands of the Lord, they hide themselves in the trees from the presence of God. Trust had been broken. And now fear has motivated them to hide themselves from God. 
believing that when He returns to commune with them, He will not love them any longer, but He will punish them. That, my friend, is the lie of fear. But where trust exists, peace can flow. And when God restores that trust with His humanity, His intention is that peace would be the governing bond of our relationship. So where trust exists, peace can flow. And if there is ever a day that God needs His children to trust Him so that that peace that passes all understanding can be very real in our hearts and our minds, it is this day. In John 14, 27, Jesus is speaking to His disciples. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus is encouraging them in their moment of uncertainty. They're wrestling to understand as He tells them that I'm going where you can't go. I I have to leave you temporarily, but don't worry, I'll, I'll still be there, just not the way I am now. You won't see me as you see me now. You'll have to learn to discern my movements and hear my voice in a different way than you do right now. But rest assured, I will still be present. They're so overcome with the uncertainty of what the days ahead will look like that Jesus reminds them, I'm leaving something with you. My peace. My power over all things. My peace I give to you. And as true as those words were for the disciples in John 14, they are true for you and I right now. We cannot believe a Western concept or a North American idea of peace. Peace, friend, is is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of God. Peace is not the taking away of adversity. Peace is not the stillness coming upon the storm. Peace is the revealed presence of God in your life. And so after speaking to His disciples, He turns His attention to the storm and He rises and rebukes the storm and in a single moment it is no more. There is a great calm. The storm is no more. The wind has has stilled. The waves have calmed. What has happened is He has spoken a word and the surroundings have now taken on the nature of the Savior. He who was at perfect peace when everybody else was frantically running about, worrying about what the rest of their life and how this story would play out, He who was at perfect peace speaks a word. And all of a sudden, the atmosphere where the word was released to takes on the nature of the Savior. What's happening right now is God is delivering a word into your heart, into your family, into the atmosphere of your home, into the atmosphere of your life, so you too can take on the nature of the Savior and not the storm. God is imparting His peace into your life right now. God is releasing His joy and His strength into the atmosphere of your home. God is saying, you don't have to take on the nature of the storm. The Savior is present. And if you will receive My Word, you can take on My nature. In prayer for this message today, the Lord gave me Romans 15. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing 
that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. What an awesome promise. And again, as true for them, it is true for us. But I want to emphasize the first word of that verse to you right now. Now. Right now. In this moment. On this day. Where you are sitting right now. The God of hope has an experience for you through the power of the Holy Ghost that you can be filled with all joy and all peace, that you can abound in the hope that comes from Jesus Christ right now. As a matter of fact, wherever you're sitting right now, I want you to get ready to change your position. I want you to prepare to change your posture. Because here in just a moment, the Spirit of God is, is going to begin to move upon you and there will be an invitation for you to step out of that boat of comfort, to, to burst forth from that place of complacency and experience the promise of this Scripture. Now, the God of hope, He is present. I know it might seem like He is silent, but it's because He is at peace. He is not moved by the storm that moves us. I remind you, though the storm might be bigger than your boat, it's not bigger than your God. God is present and God is speaking. There's something we quickly pass over in this text. that I felt so emphasized by God in prayer for this today. And it is what the Lord requires of certainly all believers. But I would speak to our EC family today and tell you this is what the Lord requires of you. Prior to getting on the boat in Matthew chapter 8, they come to Jesus asking, Lord, where do you live? He makes this unique statement, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. And many would say he is speaking to the itinerant nature of his ministry, that he has no home. He travels from town to town and city to city preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And yes, that is true, but maybe there is a little bit more to this. Maybe as much as that is true, it is also true that in a roundabout way, he is saying foxes and birds, creatures of this earth, have a home in this earth. What he is saying is, I'm not of this world. And I have no home here. I want you to understand something about the call of God that is being issued through this region and through our world, through the avenue of the community of, of Extraordinary Church. Following God requires a sense of divine mobility. And then as soon as that is done, another man comes and says, well, Yes, I, I do want to come. I feel the, the pull of the Spirit. I hear the call of God. But please, first, let me go and bury my father. And as surprising as it might seem, Jesus says, no. Let the dead bury the dead. Because as much as the Spirit is calling for a sense of spiritual mobility, there's also an urgency to this moment. And God is on the move trekking towards a boat that is going to take him from this location to that location. The Bible says the disciples followed him into the ship. Sensing the significance of this moment, they understand that 
I can't wait. I, I can't delay. I, I have to move and I have to move now. I need mobility, but there is also urgency to this moment. They know if Jesus gets in that boat and the boat sets sail and I am not on it, I can miss the opportunity, the invitation to the great thing God is about to do. I can miss that moment. And considering the cost and the pull of all earthly things, they see Jesus making His way to the boat and they decide, I do not want to miss this moment. You see, God will not give you a life that does not require Him. God will sometimes lead you into places and times where the sudden shift demands the unwavering exercise of your trust. And EC, this is your sudden shift. Every now and then, the routine of religious activity has the power to deceive us into believing there is a relationship that our heart is not invested in. And so God allows a storm to rise from the depth of the sea to shake the security and the comfort and the customs that we are familiar with. To bring both our passions and our purpose back into alignment with His. And in those moments when fear and uncertainty and confusion speak so loudly in our ear, we must not give way to their voice. We must yield to the position and the posture of Christ who is at perfect peace. Because He knows this storm is for but a moment. For a single purpose. And when the lesson has been learned, the storm will be still. We will rise from this moment with a renewed sense of unwavering trust in the goodness and the confidence in God. And we will take this sense of spiritual mobility and urgency, recognizing that God needs us and God needs us now. And we will go forth into our community, our city, and our world with these lessons and these truths, empowered to share the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ with anybody and with everybody. And so I encourage you today, don't let the storm lie to you. Jesus is present and He is at peace because He has power over the storm. And he has power to give you so you too can live unaffected by the storm by taking on the nature of the Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I wonder right now if you could just begin to change your posture as Jesus did, as He had to rise from the position of rest to deal with the unbelief of His disciples and the storm that had troubled them. 
Maybe you're sitting and you want to stand right now. Maybe you want to just slide to the edge of your seat. Maybe you want to lift up your hands. But what's about to happen is you're about to experience the power of the Holy Spirit that was promised in Romans 15. It's about to move in your home right now. It is about to move upon your heart. It's going to move through your family. And the peace and the joy of the Lord, the joy that was promised to be your strength, is about to touch you right now. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.